Well, I took a stroll down the old long walk on the day I met a little girl and we stopped to talk on a fine soft day. I asked you, friend, what's a fella to do? Cause the hair was black and her eyes were blue. And you right then, I'll be taking the world round the stars hill. Plaza Direct King's Court starts now.
There's rules I love to break and bend. Mistakes I've made again and again. But I tell you this, my friends, I'm still around. I hit it hard, man. So far, man. No laying up, no holding back. And a good Friday morning, St. Louis. And all parts... North, east, south, and west. We welcome you in. This is the Window World King's Court on KevinSlaytonShow.com. Now, you can listen to the show live here every day, Monday through Friday, from 7 to 9 Central Time. You can also hear the podcast when I don't screw it up. Yesterday, I inadvertently deleted it, so I apologize for that. Um, But you can hear it normally right here on our website or on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, Anchor, any place that you listen to find podcasts, you'll hear ours. The one difference you'll hear, though, is that we bring you the unvarnished truth backed by facts and evidence. No one else does that. You won't find facts and evidence behind most of what you'll hear, whether it's on radio, podcasts, television. It doesn't matter. Most people don't take the time to look it up. Most people don't have a great research team like we do. And so it's real easy for us to bring you the truth. But it's hard also because you're swimming upstream against the tide of wokeism and liberal nonsense. But nonetheless, you can rest assured that's what you get here each and every morning. And we're going to have more of it for you this morning with an opening salvo to the Irish. Happy St. Patrick's Day to all who are Irish, including me, Kevin Michael Slayton. My grandparents were Katie and... Dan O'Connor, my great-grandparents, Jim McHugh and his wife, came directly from Ireland. And my mom is Margaret Mary O'Connor. So we've got a lot of Irish running through our veins in the Slayton family. But my dad's side was English. So we've got the English-Irish battle going on. We've got a civil war going on inside of me every day. So that might explain a lot. I've used it to explain a lot throughout my life. I've Used it as a major excuse. Well, what do you expect? I'm Irish and English. (laughs) Doesn't work, though. But it was a nice try. So I hope you enjoyed the Galway Girl. That was the Irish brogue that we played uh, leading up to the show here. It comes from the movie uh, with Hilary Swank, P.S. I Love You. That's where I first saw it. And uh, she takes a trip over to Ireland, and in a bar, a guy sings that song. And that song, little did I know, was a hit Irish song. And it's one of my favorites, The Galway Girl. We'll also have the January 6th choir. That means the prisoners in jail cells for nothing who recite the national anthem every night and sing the, excuse me, sing the national anthem every night. They've been harassed by prison guards for doing so. What patriotic souls we have in the Washington Capitol Police. And so Donald Trump and his team put together a music video with them singing that interspersed with some cuts from the president at rallies, and it rose to number one on the charts. Number one. And guess who took it down? Apple. Apple took down a simple recording of the national anthem. 
You're going to hear that today. You won't believe it, but then again, you probably will. Isn't that sickening? It is sickening. You know what's not sickening? The wind that's blowing outside today cannot get into my house. You know why? I have window world windows. I was smart. When hail broke through my windows, I called 314-993-1800, and they came out and gave me a free in-home estimate at Window World. 314-993-1800. They'll do the same for you. I'm not special. But I do sort of feel special now that I have the preferred window of the Blues and the official window of the, of the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl champions. So, yeah, I feel a little bit special there. But I also feel special because with Window World, I have the number one ranked company in the country in terms of windows sold. Now, there's a reason for that. If you price Window World windows with a competition, you'll find out that the great deal comes from Window World. Friends of mine have done that, and they have discovered and told me, my God, the price is extraordinary. It's a tremendous savings. But here's what else you get with Window World windows. You get your utilities coming down. Mine came down. Now, why is that? Because my air conditioning cool air didn't escape in the summer, the hot air coming in. And in the winter months, like a day like today, my warm air isn't getting out and that windy cold air isn't coming in. That's my window world windows. 314-993-1800. Here's something else I love about them. At Window World, they will bring you, or give I shouldn't say bring you, they will give you the most wonderful warranty you'll ever hear about. A lifetime warranty that covers all parts, glass breakage, and labor. That's right. I said glass breakage. Now, how do they do that? Well, they use double-strength glass in their windows. That's their normal windows. Not an upsell deal. That's their normal windows. And these windows are so strong as a result, I have stood on them, kicked them, jumped on them on the showroom floor, tried to damage them, crease them, crack them in any way, and I couldn't. Couldn't do it. And I'm not a small fellow. Window World also offers you 18 months, same as cash financing with approved credit. 18 months, same as cash financing with approved credit. You won't beat it. 314-993-1800. Get that free in-home estimate today. Let them prove to you, as they will, that they're simply the best for less. Window World. Well, you're going to hear a bunch of things today. Hunter Biden admitting now that he has indeed received money from the Chinese government. But wait a minute, I thought you didn't. And I thought Joe Willie said that you never made any money from the Chinese. But now you did? Huh. They must really have you by the nuts. <laughs> That's all I can tell you. So much so that his lawyer issued a statement. Hunter Biden, a private citizen, with every right to pursue his own business endeavors joined several business partners in seeking a joint venture with a privately owned legitimate energy company in China. As part of that joint venture, Hunter received his portion of good faith seed money, which he shared with his uncle, James Biden, and Hallie Biden, with whom he was involved at the time, and sharing expenses. The accounts so dramatically listed by Representative Comer belonged to Hunter, his uncle, and Hallie Nobody else. Hallie, Holly, I'm not sure what her name is. She's the widow of Bo Biden, remember, who who hopped into the sack with Hunter after Bo died. What a family, huh? 
they give the term All in the Family, the great TV show, a real nasty connotation. So we've got Bo Biden who dies, and Joe Biden will tell you ad nauseum that he died as a war hero, which isn't true. It's a lie. His widow is left behind to grieve the loss of her husband, and while grieving, Hunter jumps in the sack with her. Isn't that awesome? I can imagine Bo Biden's kids. Mommy, who's what's Uncle Hunter doing in your bed? Oh, don't worry, son. I, I'm disgusting, and so is he. But 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 he's funneling me money. So now, you could ask the question, and it's a legitimate question. Hunter's funneling her money from his Chinese seed money, and she's having sex with him. Is that what we call a prostitute? I don't know. Sure seems like it. So we might just have a prostitute in the Biden family as well. You could make that argument in a very strong way. But you could also make the argument, as everyone is making, that these funds are so vague as to what they're for that the checks don't even have a reason in the memo line. Now, you know how you write a check. You write a check to your friend for, I don't know, gambling debts, let's say. And you write in that little memo, Mizzou cost me, or something. It's left blank. The Chinese government energy industry giving the Hunter Biden family, essentially. And by the way, it goes into the account named Biden. It doesn't say Hunter Biden or James Biden, his uncle. It just says Biden. Now, that's in addition to 150 transactions that have been flagged by international banks in the Biden accounts in all these institutions. Now, what does that mean when a a transaction is flagged? Well, we'll let Catherine Herridge of CBS explain it. Bank transactions get flagged for a number of reasons. One is called layering, and that means the money is moving through a number of third parties before it reaches its destination. And the question is whether this is an effort to shield or obscure the source of the money and who's ultimately receiving it. There's also another issue which looks at velocity, and velocity simply means how quickly the money is coming in and out of an account. So, for example, an account is opened, and then the next day a million dollars goes in, and then a million dollars go out. That's Mm -hmm. the kind of thing that would get flagged. Thirdly, the, the size of the transaction and also whether it's a lot of round numbers. So it's 150,000, 300,000 versus 279, 832, which might be for something very specific. You right. see, so sort of big round numbers gets attention. And then in these transfers, there's something called a memo line and a memo line is the explanation for the money. And, you know, just as a basic question, does it make sense? And does it make sense in terms of the frequency of the transfer? So those are all of the things that can be pulled together when a bank makes a decision to flag a transaction. And all of those things come up empty for the Bidens. Layering, I love that. That's another term for money laundering. So when you hear the congressional committees talk about money laundering by the Bidens, that's what they're referring to what the banks call layering, velocity. Big money comes in, big money goes out in a hurry. Why would that happen? 
Do you do that when you get a big deposit? Let's say you sell your house, you get a check from the title company for $100,000. Do you put it in your bank account today and tomorrow remove it? I wouldn't think so. And isn't that deposit in your account, as you keep track of it, listed as funds from house sale? Of course it is. The size and the round numbers, that's interesting. Because these deposits aren't coming in as $1,213,073.45. They're coming in as big round numbers, millions of dollars. Holly Halley Biden didn't get 25000 and then 35000 and 13 cents. No. Round numbers. Now you make of it what you will, but you'd have to be a bonehead to think otherwise. These people are as corrupt as the day is long. This money has been made by the influence peddling scheme that the Bidens have conducted for decades. How else do you get rich? On a $174,000 salary. And by rich, I mean wealthy. We're talking beach homes. We're talking lake homes, mansions. We got a drug problem for Hunter Biden that was reaching what? About 300000 a week or whatever it was. It was absurdly great. How do you afford that? So far as we can see, Hunter Biden didn't even have a job. Not that his dad does. Guy's never worked for in his life. He's been a political hack his entire life. And he sure as hell, you couldn't confuse what he does now is work. The SOB knocks off at 10 o'clock in the morning every day. Or a lot of days, I should say. If he makes two telephone calls in two days, he, he's exhausted. That's a fact, by the way. He did that last week, and the little black lesbian bragged about it as how busy he was. He called two different world leaders in two days. I couldn't keep up with that grueling schedule myself, and Dr. Jill says 30-year-olds couldn't keep up with Joe. I want to see the breakdown in the next election if this old doddering fool runs, the breakdown of the 30-year-old vote. If you're 30 in your 30s and you vote for this guy, you're, you just want to be bitch-slapped. Because you just got slapped around by his psychopath wife, that egomaniacal Dr. Jill, the evil one. You couldn't keep up with that old man. <laughs> the stuff these people say is so outrageous. It's just, it just renders you scratching your head like, what's happening to this country? The rest of the world sees this. They hear this. What do they think of us? Well, we already know. Not much. Not much at all. And why would they? Peter Schweitzer, who is an investigative reporter and has been following the money since the onset of the Biden crime family, doesn't buy for one minute the latest excuses and lies the Bidens are telling. In fact, in Peter Schweitzer's records and in his books, he has detailed how the Bidens story just keeps changing. The story's changed throughout. I mean, when we first broke this story in 2018, they denied that they were even doing business in China. 
then they said, well, we were doing business in China, but as you pointed out, we didn't make any money. Uh, then it shifted to Joe Biden didn't know about those deals. That's been disproven. Um, the fact that they keep shifting the stories, I think, should be a major concern uh, for people in the White House, because it's pretty clear that the people spinning the news in the White House don't know the full story. And I think there are going to be several other shoes to drop on this. Yeah, I would think so, because the attention of the congressional leaders in the House is squarely on Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, the Biden crime family's finances. And I don't care who you are, you don't come out unscathed. Well, I shouldn't say that. President Trump came out unscathed, despite the most severe scrutiny of his finances known to man. But the Bidens are another story. President Trump's accounts weren't flagged 150 times for suspicious activity. The Biden's accounts were. President Trump didn't get deposits with the memo line blank. That didn't happen. Why? Because he's a businessman. And businessmen keep an accounting of what goes on with their money. Criminals don't. Especially criminals who are involved in influence peddling and money laundering. They don't keep a record of it because they don't want you to know. They don't want anybody to know. So little Hallie Biden got paid for something by Hunter. Again, was it for sexual favors? We don't know. But being a Biden, it wouldn't surprise us. Because after all, the Biden family is not exactly something to be held in high esteem, despite what the old man says. I give you my word as a Biden. I'm glad we got it as a Biden. Because if we didn't get it as a Biden, we might doubt it. But it is scary now that we see all of these transactions and 150 of them flagged. Now, does that mean that 150 of them are illegal? It doesn't mean that. But it certainly raises a lot of red, bright red flags and asks a lot of questions, or I should say poses a lot of questions. Someone give me a good explanation why the memo lines were left blank. What is it that the Bidens did for the Chinese that resulted in them getting these gigantic amounts of money in the millions of dollars. If it isn't suspicious or illegal, why don't you say what it is? In that statement from the lawyer, why didn't he say Hunter Biden, as a private citizen, has the right to conduct business? Why don't you tell us what business he was conducting? I mean, wouldn't you be proud to say that my client, Hunter Biden, while not doing drugs, was involved with business enterprises in China that were perfectly legal, and for his work as a fill-in-the-blank, he was paid X amount of dollars. Pretty simple. But they didn't do that. And so the next logical question is, what did they do to get the money, and why aren't they telling us what it was? Because I'll tell you why. It's hard to put in the memo, uh, this is for money laundering and for a shakedown of the Chinese because we have a peddling scheme, an influence peddling scheme going on. That's a lot to put in the memo, and it sure doesn't sound good. So that's why it's not in there.
<laughs> it's just not ever going to be in there. Yeah, so Peter Schweitzer, the story has changed. James Comer is the head guy in Congress who's chasing the Bidens down and following the money. And boy, is he finding some things out. And his big question is about that blank memo line as well. One thing that I noticed that was unique about these wire transfers is each transfer is like a a check. You have the name, address, date, the dollar amount, and also the memo, which is what it's for. Every other wire transfer from Robinson Walker had something listed in the memo, except the one to the Bidens. How interesting. Robinson Walker is the guy who distributed the funds from the Chinese company. He was a part of Hunter Biden's, uh, he was his business partner. So he distributed the funds, and to everyone else, he wrote in the memo line what it was for, but just not to the Bidens. But shame on you for asking a question. You shall be ostracized for life if you even ask that question. I can tell you this, the media won't ask it. And if someone from Fox gets an opportunity and does ask it, they'll be shunned not only by Biden, but by the rest of the media. How dare you ask him that? That's all part of the big lie. (laughs) Yep, sure it is. Well, while all the money issues were being revealed yesterday, and boy, there are plenty And they certainly do indict the Bidens in a terrible way. Unless, of course, you're blind and you're not paying attention. Or you're just such a liberal nutcase. Then unless the Bidens come out and say, we're guilty of money laundering and influence peddling. Unless they come out and say that, a lot of these liberals will never believe it. That's a frightening thought, but people are like that. This country has them all over the joint. Crazy, but it's true. Now, while all this was going on and being revealed yesterday, where was Heels Up Harris? Was she working on the border? After all, she's the border czar. Was she working on inflation? Was she working on the economy in any way? What was she working on? Hmm. There's a lot of things to work on. How about the bank closings? Was she involved in that, working on trying to help them out? Working on establishing peace with Russia and China? What was she doing? Well, she went on the Colbert Show. And she was asked what I would think is a pretty simple question. All of the questions were simple. They were nonsensical. But this is the kind of grilling that she got. What is it that you love about America? She stumbled. There's so much. There's so, there's so much. And you're right. And I have the blessing and privilege of traveling all over our country. I meet people who are just the, the people who, who are the ones who are the most optimistic about what is possible. I look at who we are. We believe in freedom and liberty as Americans. And we fight for it. Wow, she sounds like Ronald Reagan. So the question was, what do you love about America? And she never answered it. She said there was so much to love, but couldn't name one thing. Hmm. She did point out that she travels around the country at our expense. She pointed that out. Sort of an in-your-face jab. 
But wouldn't it be simple for most Americans to answer a simple question like that? What do you love about America? But she never did. She just said there's so much. When someone says that to me, I always say to them, name one thing and I'll assume there's a thousand. But but they can't. She can't name one thing that she loves about this country. But she, she says that she travels the country and all these people are optimistic. You want to bet? That's such a blatant lie. Better than 70% of the people in this country think the country's headed in the wrong direction. So I don't care who you're talking to, there's not an overwhelming feeling of optimism. That's just another lie. But that whole regime is good at lying. It's what they do best. However, that's kind of a misstatement by me. They don't lie very well. So I shouldn't say it's what they do best, although it could be. Maybe it is that they're so inept at everything they do that even though they're bad liars, it's the best that they do. So it's possible. They really are bad liars, though. And how do you get asked, as a vice president of this country, what do you love most about America, and you hem and haw, and you issue some nonsensical statement like that, telling us there's so much. Oh, there's so much. You do know I travel all over the country, don't you? You do know that you pay for it, all you people in the audience? And I see all these people that are so optimistic. Huh. And then she claims, as she always has, that if Joe Biden runs in 2024, she'll be running with him. Now, he's never said that. He's hinted that he will run, but he has not said that she will be his running mate. I can't see that happening under any circumstances. And one reason for not wanting her, if you're in Biden's shoes, or any Democrat, is she's just monumentally stupid. She was asked a simple question. What would the big issues be in the 2024 election. Seeing it through and building on the momentum that we have achieved thus far. I mean, think about it. In only the last two years, we have, by my estimate, with the bills and the the legislation that we have passed, we are putting up to $1 trillion on the streets of America on the issue of the climate um, crisis. We are investing in the manufacturing of electric buses, electric school buses. Yeah, somehow, when I go to the grocery store and see the price of eggs and hamburger and lettuce and everything under the sun, somehow when I go to a movie, even with any discounts you get, if you have one of their cards, it's still $15 to get a box of popcorn and see a movie. Somehow, I don't think Americans share the same vision of the big issues of 2024. I just don't think they do. Does anybody think that most Americans are thinking, God, what are we going to do about this climate change? I'm so happy there's a trillion dollars. She bragged about spending a trillion dollars on climate change. She called it a crisis, if you noticed. A crisis. Trillion dollars. And do you think that most people are walking around as they check their dwindling bank accounts and dwindling investment portfolios, do you think they're saying, you know what I need? We need an electric school bus. Let's get those. Before we solve the economic crisis, a real one, 
that we're suffering through. Let's get those electric school buses on the rail. Come on now, assembly line, put them through. That's her summation of the issues of 2024. Not a word about the border, inflation, the economy, the banks. Not a word about China being a major threat. Not a word about the rotten trade deals they now are are working under because they screwed up President Trump's. Not a word about our horrific reputation around the world now. Nope, it was all climate change for her, the crisis, and electric school buses. Those are the main issues of 2024. I would venture a guess, and it's just a guess since I'm not going to do it, but if I went out on the street and conducted interviews with, let's say, 20 people, my guess would be not one of them would mention either one of those things. Not one, not either. But that's what Heels Up Harris thinks the problems are. But she is mad about Ron DeSantis saying that this Ukrainian thing could get us into a quagmire and it's not worth getting into World War III over, essentially what he said. She didn't like that. So as vice president, I have now met with over 100 world leaders, presidents, prime ministers, chancellors, and kings. And when you have had the experience of meeting and and understanding the significance, again, of international rules and norms and the importance of the United States of America standing firm and clear, if you really understand the issues, you probably would not make statements like that. Let me see if I've got this straight. The major issues of the 2024 campaign are climate crisis and electric school buses by her own mouth. And then she criticizes Ron DeSantis and says if he really understood the issues. Well, you just said the issues are climate change and electric school buses. I'm pretty sure he understands that nonsense and dismisses it as what it is. Nonsense. When it comes to Ukraine, she wanted to brag somehow about how she has met Over a hundred world leaders, even a king, she said. And she's traveled around, and she understands international rules and norms. What does that mean? This woman speaks bullshit and never says a word. When you understand the international rules and norms like I do, because I have met with over a hundred world leaders on your expense. I've traveled the country, she pointed out too, remember that? International rules and norms, everybody. Poor DeSantis, he just doesn't understand the issues like she does. But who does? I mean, can we be honest? Does anybody have a grasp of things like she does? I don't know why they allow her to go on even a a friendly show like that to her, where Colbert is just going to suck up to her something fierce, where he renounced his manhood the moment he said hello to her. He is such a coward, such a fraud. Such a candy ass. But even that, she screws up. Even a guy who's trying to kiss her ass, she can't answer simple stuff. He asked her what her role was as vice president. Now, wouldn't this one be simple? This would be simple. I'm the border czar, or I'm, as Biden always said, I'm the last one in the room. Oh, Joey always liked that with Barry Hussein. 
and now I'm the last person in the room. But she couldn't even come up with that. Here's her answer to her role as vice president. What is the actual role on a daily basis as you have found it? Well, I have the great privilege of serving with Joe Biden, who was president of the United States. Hmm. Her role is having the great privilege of serving with Joe Biden, who, in case you didn't know, who's president of the United States. Once again, for all all, all the civics class kids out there, I want you to hear what the role of the vice president is. What is the actual role on a daily basis as you have found it? Well, I have the great privilege of serving with Joe Biden, who was president of the United States. President of the United States. Weren't you sitting there going when she said, I have the privilege of serving with Joe Biden. You're going, who? Who is that guy? Oh, he's the president of the United States, she reminded us. Wow. So if someone asks you, you go on a job interview, and the prospective employer says, what's your role with the company you're with right now? And you say, well, I have the privilege with working with my boss. (laughs) Excuse me? Could you please leave the interview? You're finished. What's your role over there, Kevin? I have the privilege of working for my boss. <laughs> I, I don't know that you can be any dumber than her. I really don't. You you just can't. So she works with Joey. Mm-mm-mm. She's special. That woman. And in some ways she is. Ned Ryan thinks she's special. He is a conservative thought tank guy, and he's a smart guy. And he's astounded at how stupid she is. It's still staggering to me that someone who's so unlikable and, and quite frankly, just not that bright has has climbed to such heights inside of our government. I mean, she couldn't even tell Colbert what she does as the vice president. I mean, every time she opens her mouth, it's, it's a massacre of brain cells. But you also watch it in this morbid fascination, like people watch NASCAR races for the wrecks, and she never disappoints. Like, every time she goes out, it's a complete wreck. How she got here again is, after that disaster in the 2020 primary, she she dropped out even before Iowa. She was pulling at 1% or 2%. She's pulled from that pile of shame to be Joe Biden's VP because you needed somebody dumber than Joe Biden, which is saying something. Is he... <laughs> She pulled from that pile of shame to become VP because they needed somebody dumber than Joe Biden. And somebody so dumb that no crackpot would even think of assassinating Biden. Because even crackpots wouldn't want this illiterate, babbling buffoon cackling her way through the White House. (laughs) She also wants you to know that she spent the bulk of her career as a prosecutor. How many times does she remind you of that in this short little clip? As you know, most of my career I spent as a prosecutor, and I declared that um, we, the United States of America, believe that Russia has committed crimes against humanity. As a former prosecutor, I understand the significance of reviewing and looking at the evidence and comparing it to the law. We are looking at a situation where, and again as a former prosecutor, We're looking for a situation that she, she, of course, has no idea. So she says that as, again, a former prosecutor, 
Did she say anything in that? Uh, no. She did mention that she declared something. I don't know. Prosecutors don't declare anything. They don't make laws. So they don't declare anything. I guess her ego thinks that she declares things. But here was the coup de grace for her day. Now, you would think her showing up to tape the Colbert show, or Colbert as I call him, would have been the highlight of any liberal's day because they get fawned over by that weirdo freak. But not for heels up. She apparently at one time in her life went to Howard University, the home of the Bison. That's their nickname, the Howard Bison. And Howard qualified to play in the NCAA basketball tournament this year. And so yesterday they played. Now, it wasn't a good day for Howard, uh, their basketball team, I, I should say, not the school itself, but the basketball team really had a struggle. It wasn't pretty. Nothing went well. They lost 96-68 to 68 to top-seeded Kansas. That's, that's right, 96-68. to 68. A game that saw Howard shoot 38% from the field, miss four out of ten free throws, turn the ball over 18 times and lose by 28 points. So given that as the backdrop, it was a bit shocking to see her, A, go into the locker room to give the players a little pep talk, but the content of the pep talk and, of course, the nauseating delivery, well, you know, you guys were really good. It just makes you want to vomit. And then I'm going to compare her pep talk to one of the more famous pep talks you've heard. So good. You played hard. You played to the very last second. You made all us bison so, so proud. You hustled out there. You are smart. You are disciplined. You put everything you had into the game. And you know, that's what it's about, right? Until the last minute. You guys did that. You didn't stop until the last second you did not stop. And that is so inspiring. So you keep playing with chin up and shoulders back. Because you showed the world who Bison are. Right? I mean, you, literally what you have done is in historic proportion. You know, I was at Howard back in the day where we were just happy that there was a game. <laughs> Much less getting to this place, right? And I see Bison literally all over the world. And we've been talking about you, this team, this team, you all, this team, this year, this team. You make us so proud. So I know you may not be feeling great right now, okay? But know who you are. You are excellence. You are hard work. You are powerful. And you are winners. All right? So please know that. Please know that. And I'll see you later. <laughs> the guy couldn't help but cough. He's probably choking. He's ready to vomit. You guys are so wonderful. You're smart. You're disciplined. That's what it's about, right? You didn't stop until the last second. Until the last second. I'd say they stopped a lot earlier. I mean, when you lose by 28 points, I think you probably stopped a little bit earlier than the last second. 
Just my own guess. I mean, they were down 13 points at halftime. And then then got blown out in the second half by 15 more. But she thought they were disciplined and smart. And they didn't stop until the last second. She talks to bison all over the world. <laughs> bison. Why does she refer to these people as bison? But you showed everybody who bison are. Is bison like a guy? What you did was an historic proportion. I don't even understand that phrase, by the way. Do you? What does historic proportion mean? What you did is historic proportion. Huh? Now, if she meant what you did is an historic achievement, you'd still laugh at her because getting beat by 28 should never be something you're proud of. When she said, make sure you're proud, head, back, chest out, be proud, because you're bison. You're excellence, she said. Excellence. You're winners. Well, never mind if they lost by 28. That hardly qualifies as a winner. They lost 13 games this year. That's not exactly winning. This isn't Charlie Sheen here we're talking about. He's a winner. Winning. These guys were losers by 28. It was the most one-sided game of the tournament so far. (laughs) But she thought she inspired them. They inspired her, she said. I see bison all over the world. It reminds me of the little kid Haley Joel Osment in that movie where he said, I see dead people. She sees bison. So did anybody feel inspired? Do you think the bison would go out and next year play that pep talk before their first game? I don't think so. But Kurt Russell is Herb Brooks. And by the way, this is word for word what Herb Brooks said to the U.S. Olympic hockey team in the locker room in 1980 prior to taking the ice against the Russians. Now, you just heard her. You made bison proud everywhere, right? You're smart. You're disciplined, right? That's what it's about, right? You didn't stop until the last second, right? You got your ass kicked, but you're excellence. That's not how Kurt Russell, Herb Brooks, put it. Tonight, we are the greatest hockey team in the world. You were born to be hockey players. Every one of you. And you were meant to be here tonight. This is your time. Their time is done. It's over. I'm sick and tired of hearing about what a great hockey team the Soviets have. Screw them. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Yeah, I'm ready to run through the locker room door when I hear that. But when I hear, you guys were so good, so good. Maybe she thought, as a friend suggested, that she was talking about the Princeton Bison or the Furman Bison, two schools that weren't supposed to win that actually won their games yesterday. Princeton wasn't supposed to beat the number two seed Arizona, but they did. They brought their chemistry books with them and smacked Arizona around. And Furman wasn't supposed to beat the highly seeded Virginia Cavaliers, a a national champion in 2019, but they did. 
as a 13 seed against a four seed. So maybe she should have gone into their locker room and said, I'm so proud of the Furman Bison and the Princeton Bison. I'm no longer a Howard Bison. They got their ass kicked. They embarrassed the school because that's what they did. That was an embarrassment. If you really played hard and played until the last second, you wouldn't lose by 28 points. By the way, is it too much to ask college kids on a free ride, free scholarship, free education to play until the last minute? She acted like that was an achievement akin to climbing Mount Everest. You played till the last second, right? Right? Do you know that? You played. That's what it's all about, right? You didn't stop until the last second, as if she would recognize a basketball player's effort. She had to be seen somewhere where somebody wasn't nailing her to the cross as a buffoon that she is. So she chose the bison locker room. <laughs> oh, good grief. Well, General General Douglas McGregor, I always want to call him General Douglas MacArthur, had some shocking words to say about the truth in Ukraine. And it wasn't a pep talk. The, the truth is coming out that this war was not started by Russia, that Russia begged us not to try and drag Ukraine into NATO. We ignored Russia, and Russia made it very clear that they were going to defend their national interest. All they wanted was neutrality for Ukraine. Americans know something else, and I think somebody said this a few years ago. It's the economy, stupid. And every Republican candidate understands that and has to win the American people over. The people in Washington are worried about their donors. The Republican candidates are worried about American voters. Carpe diem to General McGregor. How about that? Russians didn't start the Ukraine war. We did. And really, what was the point of inviting them into NATO to begin with? Why are we involved in trying to get Ukraine into NATO when we know, above all else... That Ukraine is corrupt to the gills. Biden knows it especially. Since he did a quid pro quo with them. That was pretty stunning admission from a, a decorated, highly decorated general. Tucker Carlson was talking about Ukraine as well. He's not fond of Ukraine as a reason to start World War III, which is what Biden seems hell-bent to do. Russia invaded Eastern Ukraine. That's bad. I'm against anybody invading any, you know, whatever. I'm against that, right? I'm for borders. But that's not bad enough to justify a nuclear war. It's just not. I don't care what you say. If you think that's enough to justify a nuclear war, you're insane. Mm -hmm. And you should not have power. I don't want my children to die in the, like, what? You're playing these incredibly high stakes games with the country that has the most nuclear armed missiles in the world. Also, you're an idiot. And you're also like 80 years old. So you have got no kind of future ahead of you. You don't care what happens because you've reached the end of your natural life. You're exactly the person who should not be in charge right now. And that's exactly who is in charge. And so, yeah, I'm completely freaked out by it. And I'm hardly like a peacenik or something at all. He is freaked out about it. I'm not as freaked out about it. But the truth is, We don't know what our military is capable of anymore. So we don't know what would happen should the Russians start a war with us or should the Chinese invade Taiwan. How are we going to be engaged in two two fronts at the same time? First of all, we can't afford it, as General McGregor said. But General McGregor also believes that's part of it. We're on a road to bankruptcy. 
We are on the road to bankruptcy. The American people sense it. The bank uh, bailouts are not going to happen as they did before. Uh, you know, the best thing I can think of is to say that Lindsey Graham and his peers in Washington, they're not channeling Ronald Reagan. They're channeling the Three Stooges. The last thing Americans need is a war. No more political and military incompetence, ineptitude, corruption. They want an economy that works, and they're not going to stand around and watch the financial system go under. They want real leadership, not a cut, not a cardboard cutout president. I don't quite share General McGregor's optimism about the people in this country. I wish it were true. I wish that's what people wanted. But the fact that Biden would get any votes in an election tells me there's enough buffoons and fools out there that they don't want what's good for themselves or the country. They're literally insane. And he's right. They're channeling the Three Stooges. I love him ripping Lindsey Graham to pieces. Then there was a hearing with Janet Yellen. Now, you've heard me say on this show many, many times that Biden doesn't care. You heard Tucker just say Biden doesn't care. He's 80 years old. His life's over. He doesn't care what happens in the wake of Bidenism. But Biden's never cared about one single person in this country except himself and his family, how wealthy they can get by stealing money. That's all Biden's ever cared about. Although he does love to keep the black community under his thumb. He doesn't want his kids, after all, in a schoolyard jungle with black people. But nonetheless, what he really wants to do is make sure his family steals all the money they can. He doesn't care if Medicare went belly up. He doesn't care if Social Security went belly up because he doesn't have to worry about that. He's stolen enough money where he doesn't need the government money there. Bill Cassidy's a senator. He had Janet Yellen in his crosshairs, and he asked her why Biden doesn't care. Does the president know personally anybody who is dependent upon Social Security, and if their benefits are cut by 24%, they will slide into poverty? It's hard for you to know, uh, so I'll give you a pass on that. The president knows many people on Social Security. Then why doesn't the president care? He cares very deeply. Then where is his plan? He stands ready to work with Congress. That's a lie, because when a bipartisan group of senators has repeatedly requested to meet with him about social, so that somebody who is a current beneficiary will not see her benefits cut by 24%, we have not heard anything on our request. And we've made multiple requests to meet with the president. Now, you can't comment on that. I realize that. But that is a fact. And if you've been told to say he stands ready to meet, I will tell you there's absolutely no evidence because we have not gotten our meeting. Well, I believe the president does stand ready to work well, again, with empirically, that is not to address true. this. <laughs> empirically, that is not true. Quit your lying, wench. That's what he was really saying. Biden doesn't give a damn about anybody. Remember every time if, if you get of Social Security age whether it's 65 or 70 or whenever you elect to take your Social Security benefit, that you'll be paying tax on it because of one man, Wuhan Willie Otella Biden. He spearheaded the move to make people pay tax on Social Security benefits. Think about this. This is money that you've paid into the system your entire life. Your money. When you go to take it back out, your fair share of it, 
He's going to tax it. And he is taxing it. He's already done it. Guy who claims he's anti-tax. He's no more anti-tax than he is anti-vax. If you've got a vax and a tax, this guy's your guy. He's brain dead, but he's your guy. Low rent son of a bitch. I mean, he's unbelievable. He would take the last penny off the last poor person's table and then turn around and walk out, and he would not care. He wouldn't lose a moment's worth of sleep. I mean, after all, he has a son who was a war hero, who died a war hero. He has another one he claims is the smartest person he's ever known, (laughs) which tells you that Wuhan Willie has indicted Washington, D.C. as nothing but the dumbest people this country has to offer because none of them, since he's met them all through his illustrious 50-year career of reaping money from the government till, he's met them all. But Hunter's the smartest one he's ever met. wonder how Bo thinks that assessment is. So Bo Biden and the rest of Washington and all of the international leaders that Biden has met in his life are all dumber than Hunter Biden by his own admission. Woo! That might be the scariest comedy he's made of all because if it's true, imagine how dumb the people in Washington are. Because Hunter Biden's a single-digit IQ dude. Yet he's the smartest guy Wuhan Willie's ever known. I'll tell you, he's not smart, and she's on her way out, thank God. And that's Beetlejuice. Yep, Beetlejuice's days are over. She's giving her last rights to the city of Chicago because she killed it. And on her way out, she held a news conference. Now, let's go back in time a little bit and, and let everybody know how she treated media people in Chicago through her tenure, her reign of terror, when she admittedly said, in her own words, that she would not allow white people to call on her anymore at news conferences. And here she was attacking a white reporter for simply trying to ask a question. Mass shooting here in the city of there is indeed. What is it? There is Let's indeed. get to it. Let's get Absolutely. to it. Absolutely. A speech is not what you In fact, you went to do. Texas. Let's get to you it. You went to Texas. Please, please get to your question. Well, if I may, I'd ask my question. Your violent tweet to uh, call to arms. No, let, yes. him, let, him, let, him, let him talk. The more will he talks, you, the more stupid he sounds. Please continue. Let me just deconstruct the series of lies that you just spewed as you do every time you come to one of my press conferences. Nice gal, isn't she? Or, I'm sorry, nice it, whatever she is. I I hesitate to call her a gal. That might be horrible. She could be the guy. So we'll just leave it at it. But isn't she sweet? Or isn't it sweet? And so yesterday at one of her final news conferences, probably her last one, that same reporter got to speak his mind. She couldn't control things anymore. She couldn't call them names anymore. But he sure let her have it. You shut down our schools. You shut down the churches. You shut down the businesses. You did the one thing that I thought could never happen. As somebody who who was born and raised on the south side of Chicago, I never thought in my life that I would ever see the city of Chicago brought down so low. I hope that after today's city council meeting, you will pack your suitcase and get the hell out of my city. Carpe quadruple diem, William Kelly. He's the reporter who uttered those words. An Irish fellow, 
Saint, happy St. Patrick's Day, William Kelly. God, did he tell her where to go? I love it. Pack your bags and get the hell out of my city that you've destroyed. Whatever you are. What do you think Beetlejuice's future is? Well, she'll probably be like every other Chicago politician. She'll rob from somebody. We've got a lot of conversation all of a sudden about this climate crisis again. Now, it's colder than hell in the Midwest, so I guess, you know, the climate change, the climate heat, whatever they call it, that crisis, it's really not materializing. We're halfway through March, St. Patrick's Day. This will be one of the coldest St. Patrick's Day I've ever remembered. The wind is howling. The temperature is not going to go very high. But the climate crises folk think that, you know, we're all going to melt. But back in 1977, Leonard Nimoy, Mr. Spock, why he thought we were all going to be covered in ice by now. We are unprepared for the next advance. The result could be hunger and death on a scale unprecedented in all of history. What scientists are telling us now is that the threat of an ice age is not as remote as they once thought. During the lifetime of our grandchildren, Arctic cold and perpetual snow could turn most of the inhabitable portions of our planet into a polar desert. (laughs) Hunger and death, a polar desert, nonstop snow in all the inhabitable places of our globe. Well, that was in 77. Let's see if I can do my math. Help me out if I can't. That's 46 years ago. And so in almost half a century, nothing even close to what he said materialized. In fact, in fact, the lunatics who know nothing were then flipping the script and saying, no, wait a minute, it's not too cold, it's too hot, says John Kerry in 2009. You have sea ice, which is melting at a rate that the Arctic Ocean now increasingly is exposed. In five years, scientists predict we will have the first ice-free Arctic summer. So which is it? Are we going to be covered in ice and be a polar desert, according to Leonard Nimoy, Mr. Spock, after all? Or is everything going to melt as John Kerry said it would in 2009? See if you can decipher what the preacher man himself, Barry Hussein Obama, was claiming a year before Kerry made those comments. Now, that's a year before our current climate czar, Stepped into that pile of crap. Uh, By the way, two guys, Obama and Kerry, who've never had jobs. They've sucked off the government their whole life. But here's Obama. And tell me if this is a president or a preacher. Because if we are willing to work for it and fight for it and believe in it, then I am absolutely certain that generations from now, we will be able to look back and tell our children that this was the moment when we began to provide care for the sick and good jobs to the jobless. This was the moment when the rise of the oceans began to slow and our planet began to heal. (laughs) He thinks he's God, doesn't he? This was the moment, me being elected, this was the moment when hunger ended. This was the moment when our planet began to heal. The rising tides were shut down. Just by waving his hand, the preacher man. That was in 2008. 
In 2005, NBC News, a once reputable news operation, but not since John Chancellor was there, told us this in 2005. Leading U.S. climate researchers say the world has a 10-year window of opportunity to take decisive action on global warming and avert catastrophe. So that was 2005. And again, I'll try to use my own math without your help. 10 years would be 2015, am I right? So it's been 18 years, and there is no catastrophe to be averted. There is no heat wave that we should be noticing. That 10-year window of opportunity has come and gone. We didn't take any decisive action on global warming, thank God. (laughs) But this is how insane these people are. And they are insane. Remember, these are the things through the years, as a friend of mine brought to me, that that Democrats have claimed as science. Let's start in the 60s, shall we? Oil will be gone in 10 years. Well, they tried that. They're trying it again now. In the 70s, another ice age was coming in 10 years. You heard Leonard Nimoy, good old Mr. Spock, who was out there among all the planets on the USS Enterprise with Captain Kirk. So he should know. In the 1980s, it was acid rain going to destroy all the crops in 10 years. Notice how the liberal scientists are always using 10-year windows. In the 90s, it was the ozone layer. That was gone in 10 years. In the 2000s, the ice caps will be gone in 10 years. That was the Al Gore, John Kerry myth and Obama. And in the 2010s, the Pacific Islands were going to be underwater in 10 years. None of it happened, but you know what did happen? All of that nonsense resulted in more taxation. (laughs) Ah, It is sickening. <laughs> and you got to consider that Mr. Spock certainly was a qualified scientist. He was a Vulcan scientist, after all. He uh, got most of his expertise at the University of Vulcanology in Vulcania. So why should we question him? Now, he's not the level of a bison, but he is a Vulcan. So why would we not listen to him? Volcanology, baby. Don't ever doubt it. And if you remember not too long ago, just about a year ago or less, Biden got all ramped up with the fear-mongering game. That's what climate change is about. It is literally, not figuratively, a clear and present danger. The latest climate report, nothing less than, quote, code red for humanity. Let me say it again. Code red for humanity. Let me say it again. I always love it when that ass repeats it, because I think he's questioning whether he actually said it once. Code red for humanity. Polar death. (laughs) We're going to have a polar death. We've got code red for humanity. Homes are going to be disappearing. The Pacific Islanders are going to be gone. They'll be swarmed by the water. It's all going to happen. Code red for humanity. You know what's code red for humanity? Ever having this son of a bitch in office. That's code red for humanity. Anytime a liberal gets elected anywhere at any level, that's code red for humanity. Christopher Horner understands it. 
He's written a book called The Red Hot Lies. And he understands the game that the liberals play of fear-mongering and how it always sells. Now, fear sells, and everyone knows it. Fear can be used to get what you want. And we forget that blaming your neighbor for the weather is centuries old, which burnings, of course, when crops fail because it got cold, and warming used to be called Optima. But politicians seized upon it, of course. And now we have this millenarian death cult where kids say, um, you're going to die from old age, but I'm going to die from climate change. It's almost a mantra. Why do we keep falling for it? One of the more tragic episodes of this, besides what's happening to two generations now, is that our elected leaders continue to march to this tune. If we control your thermostat, we'll be giving you a choice and a role in what you do. It'll be a savings to you. We'll scare you. We'll promise savings in this and then gloss it up with some global salvationism. Why do we keep falling for it? Why do we keep falling for it? Well, those of us who are smart, and, and I don't pat myself on the back when I say that. When I say smart, I just mean I'm smarter than 98% of this country, and that's because they're illiterate. It's not a great achievement on my part. It's simply a byproduct of their stupidity. So that makes me smart. You know, if I'm playing baseball against two-year-olds, I look like a pretty good player, right? I mean, I'm good. But if I play against major leaguers, I'm not so good. So it's all relative. So when I say smart people like me, that's what I'm talking about. We are not stooges. So we don't fall for it. No one has ever, by the way, ever held any of those people that you just heard accountable for those bizarre predictions of doom. None of them. If you walk through a Democratic stronghold, Obama is still popular. Even though he predicted those very people would be gone. Al Gore, same thing. John Kerry. The goodness of the people in this country is that they had the wisdom and the foresight never to elect Kerry or Gore as president. So we know that they didn't actually elect O'Biden because either Kerry or Gore, while they're lame brain morons, are smarter than Biden. You do remember the black congressman or was a senator, I can't remember if it was Benny Johnson or not, but one of them, said that Guam was going to tip over from too many military personnel on the island. Actually said that. This is the caliber of people that this country puts in office. Guam is going to tip over. We're facing a polar death. We're going to burn to pieces. The rising tides are going to swallow islands. All of it's going to happen in 10 years. And then you keep voting for him, folks. So look at yourself. If you ever cast a vote for a Democrat, look at yourself. And by Democrat, I mean current Democrats. We've got a a former Romney advisor. Here's what I love about all these former advisors. They always get jobs on MSNBC or CNN. And this guy doesn't like Ron DeSantis. But this would be typical for a former Romney advisor to say, because this guy unveils himself as one of the dumbest people of all time. The anti-woke guy, Ron DeSantis, his ideal is Putin's Russia, where there are no gay people, where there are no women in power, where you know, they're all Christians. That's how he wants to see the world. That's the world. They, that's why they love Putin and they love autocrats. They, meaning DeSantis and Trump. By the way, that view of the world isn't so bad. 
I know the women and the gays are going to hate me and the non-Christians will hate me. I don't care. I'm joking. So if you can't take a joke, go F yourself. But the truth is that this moron now calls Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump Putin. By the way, it's Putin. But go ahead. You're a dope, so mispronounce the guy's name, that any third grader knows. So Putin is now Ron DeSantis. So let me think. It was Russia, Russia, Russia with Trump that he was Putin's friend. Now Ron DeSantis is Putin. <laughs> the only thing I can think of from that Romney advisor is I feel like Putin. Not Putin, Putin. We finally got a professor from a college, university in this country, who has seen what's going on on the college campuses, and he resigned. He's now a former professor, and he summed it up perfectly. It doesn't really matter if you're in the tribe or not. If you say something wrong, that's enough to get you essentially ostracized and kicked out. And so... Um, I think everybody walks on eggshells. We're literally moving away from the foundations of academia. Wow. It doesn't matter if you're a member of the tribe or not. Now, that's true. If you step on the wrong pile, if you say the wrong thing, look how they've turned on their own. The minute any liberal or Democrat even mentions Donald Trump without saying he's Satan, they're ostracized. They'll turn on you so fast. You are sworn like the psychopaths of the Nazi party to loyalty forever to Adolf Hitler and the Democrats' loyalty forever to the party and to the party's agenda and the party's ideology. And if you're not, if you dare stray, you dare stray, you're like a member of a cult in Utah trying to get away. They're going to hunt you down. It's like Scientology. They're going to come get you. Josh Hawley understands the time is now. We have two choices and only two. You're either a nationalist or you're a globalist. It's that simple. Ronald Reagan, he was a nationalist. We need a robust nationalism. We need to not be afraid to say, yeah, we need to rebuild America. We need to make America strong. And Reagan was right all those years ago. American national strength will make us strong abroad, will enable us to protect our interests abroad. But that's not what the neocons want. The neocons are globalists. They want to turn America into the rest of the world. They want a liberal empire all over the world. It's a pipe dream. It's crazy. And we can see the effects of it. War forever. Uh, trade deficits forever, industry going to China, people out of work here. If, you know, if you're a working person, can't get a good paying job. Why is that? It's because of the neocons policies for the last 30 plus years. Carpe diem to Josh Hawley. Those things are right. You either make your mind up now. You're either one of them or you're one of us. And that's why I'm an advocate for secession and forming an independent country from liberals. We don't want them. And by the way, that former Romney advisor is so stupid saying that DeSantis wants this country to be like Putin's Russia, where there's nobody but Christians. Putin doesn't allow Christianity in Russia. The only Christians are underground. So Putin is hardly the viable comparison there for that moron. The guy I was trying to think of who said that Guam would tip over because there's too many military personnel was Hank Johnson. (laughs) That illiterate moron. (laughs) I mean, but he gets into office. How? I mean, that's what, what just blows your mind. 
This guy actually went to law school. It's not surprising that he's from Georgia. I become convinced that people in Georgia are some of the dumbest people in the country. I mean, the evidence is all over the place. Raphael Warnock, Ossoff, Hank Johnson. Do we need to go any further? I mean, we could. We could read the whole litany of people that they vote into office down there. Guam is going to tip over. He shouldn't have just been removed from office when he said that. He should have been put in an insane asylum. Don't just invite him. Commit him. That's where he belongs. He's insane. Josh Hawley mentioned Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan knew knew it all. When he was running for president in 1980, he understood exactly what we need for real peace. Establishing a real peace must rest on the firm underpinning of a strong American economy. Tragically, the weakened state of America's economy has significantly affected our ability to have the strongest possible foreign and defense policies. Our inflation has especially undermined the dollar and has upset world markets. And when they question our economic reliability, they begin to question our reliability as a strong ally. Carpe quadruple diem, President Reagan, speaking from the grave. He's still right. He was right then in 1980. He's right today, 43 years ago. God, those were wonderful times, weren't they? But people want to reject that. They want to reject anything that makes sense. And Father Robert Mateague understands that we're running out of things for people to reject in this country. In summary, we're running out of things to reject and to destroy and to corrupt. I, I trace an evolution going back from Martin Luther, 1517, rejecting the church. The French Revolution rejects Christ. Uh, 19th century, Darwin and Marx reject the creator. In the 50s and 60s, the sexual revolution, we actually reject sexuality, fertility, uh, marriage. Uh, we reject our future in the 70s with a cult of contraception uh, and abortion. If you can't, if you can't cancel the future, you have to kill it. We reject our past with uh, with, with wokeism, with d- denying history, pulling down monuments, digging up corpses. Uh, we reject our past now with uh, turning you know corpses in, in, into uh, into fertilizer. And now we're rejecting our future by turning our children into sexual consumables. We're rejecting the human body as male or female with transgenderism. Carpe odium to Father Robert McTeague on St. Patrick's Day. Spot on. Deadly in his assessment. Speaking of deadly, there's a video that's gone viral. And since baseball season is upon us, I thought I would talk about it and play you the audio from the video. It is a college game in the Southern Conference. And an umpire is in the ninth inning, and clearly this umpire just wants to go home. He calls a strike on the hitter uh, for the second strike that wasn't a strike. It was, eh, you know, I guess you could have made an argument, well, it was close enough to foul it off. But the guy didn't swing, and he called it a strike. Then after the guy said something, hey, that pitch was out of the strike zone or something of that nature, here's what happened on the next pitch. 1-1, one, one, call the strike there, and it's 1-2, and two, and oh, my. Mims is showing where 1-2 coming. It's down. Oh, 
my gosh. Wow. He got rung up on ball two, and the game is over. Oh, my goodness. That is horrific. Well, the privateers win the game, a game they looked like they were going to win anyway, but Hummer just wanted to go home. Hummer <laughs> just wanted to go home. And while everybody was yelling at him, he just kept walking away. That guy should never work as an umpire again. If you if you ever see the video of it, just Google it. Umpire call, whatever you, you put it up, put up there, you'll realize this guy should never work again. He's either a complete arrogant ass who screwed that kid on purpose and wanted to go home, or he's so blatantly incompetent that Stevie Wonder could call balls and strikes better than he could. So those two choices are not good. But there is no third choice. There's not door three or door four. You only have to choose from doors one and two. Either he's an arrogant ass who screwed a kid on purpose, or he's an incompetent buffoon. Wouldn't you love it if those were your only two choices in life? Well, that's that umpire. And whatever he gets, he deserves, as long as it's not employment. Because he should never work another game as long as he lives. That kind of stuff sickens me. Those arrogant, pompous asses. Just call the game and shut up. I've never seen anything like that call. You heard the you heard the announcer. He called it low and outside, and it was way low and way outside. It wasn't even close. Most people understand borderline pitches. It's tough for the umpire to get them right all the time, although the umpires usually do get them right. I'll say that in their favor at the major league level. I'm not so sure about the college level because I don't watch that much college baseball. But I, I'm assuming, and I'm going to go out on a limb here, I wouldn't think that any umpires other than this guy did something that egregious just to get even with a kid for arguing a previous call or because he wanted to get out of there. If you want to get out of there, don't umpire. God forbid he ever works a game that will go extra innings. Everything would be a strike. Throw it over the catcher's head to the backstop. Strike one. Well, we're going to take a break, and we're going to play that J6 Donald Trump song for you that has risen to number one on the charts. Now, this song is the prisoners, the actual prisoners in cells, in political prisons in this country singing. And it was now banned by Apple, taken down off of Apple's platform. And here it is for you. to the flag of the United States of America. Stands. 
one nation, under God. Indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Welcome you back in. Kevin Slayton with you on this Friday morning, Saturday Eve, and it's also St. Patrick's Day. It's also day two of the NCAA basketball tournament. Missouri wins yesterday their first round game over Utah State. And that means Missouri advances to play the winner of the number two seed versus 15 seed game, Arizona and Princeton. Lo and behold, Princeton springs the major upset of the tournament. And beats Arizona, knocking them out of the tournament. Many people thought Arizona would win the whole thing. And they're gone after the first game. Good for Princeton. I love seeing the the little Davids slay the Goliaths, and they did so yesterday. Same thing for Furman against Virginia. Although if you see the last play of the Furman-Virginia game, the Virginia player, who was trapped in a corner, made the worst, the dumbest decision you'll ever see on a basketball court, perhaps on any field of play anywhere. All he had to do was call a timeout because he was trapped or bounce the ball off the other team's leg and out of bounds. Instead, he falls out of bounds, and as he's falling, he decides he'll attempt this gigantic hook pass way over his head, pass midcourt into the grateful arms of the other team, who immediately make one pass, hit a three-pointer with two seconds left, and win the game. That's what makes March Madness. You had those things happen yesterday. Spectacular finishes, and there's another full day and night tonight. Today and tonight. Starts about 11, ends about 11 or midnight tonight. Missouri plays tomorrow. From what I'm understanding, the game is at 5-10 hour time against Princeton. 5-10 hour time. They'll never have a better chance to get to the Sweet 16. Because Princeton is not one of the major powers around the country. They're an Ivy League team. But these Ivy League teams play tough. They play smart. And they play disciplined. They play basketball the way it's supposed to be played. Ask Arizona. Ask at Taco Bell if you want a good breakfast this morning. They have the dollar crave menu open, the $5 crave menu up and working. And it's all for breakfast right now, but you can get lunch and dinner, late night items as well. You can get that grilled breakfast burrito off of the dollar crave menu with bacon bits. You could also get the double stuffed taco for a buck, a grande burrito. There's other breakfast items, though. The breakfast quesadilla is under $2. Two different AM crunch wraps under 3 So is the Grande Scrambler. The Mexican pizza's back. If you're going to stay at home and watch the NCAA tournament, get yourself a couple of Mexican pizzas from Taco Bell, and you'll be taken care of all day. As the ball bounces, you'll be eating that Mexican pizza. And you'll feel good about yourself if you're a liberal because you think you're helping the Mexicans, even though it has nothing to do with it. But the Mexican pizza is sensational at Taco Bell. 
of that, there is no doubt. Don't forget the $5 Crave menu. You can get things like the double chalupa in a box with two tacos and a soft drink for just 5 bucks. I support locally owned and operated businesses, and I do with Taco Bell. They're no exception. Here are the locations for the locally owned and operated Taco Bells. There's one in the Chesterfield Valley in Missouri, in St. Clair, in Union, in Washington, Cape Girardeau, Jackson. In Illinois, they're in Waterloo, Troy, DuCoin, Carbondale, Salem, Jerseyville, Decatur, Springfield, where Porky Pig still resides. And then, of course, in Columbia, Illinois, there's another one. Those are all locally owned and operated Taco Bell locations. All right, our phone lines are open, 636-538-0746. 538-0746 if you want to weigh in on any of the things that we have talked about. Marjorie Taylor Greene is going to report Jane Fonda for her murder comments the other day that she made on The View. I don't know if you heard that, saw that, but that's what she's going to do. Cleo joins us. Good morning, Cleo. Yeah, sir. How you doing today? Hey, hey, happy St. Patrick's Day to you. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you as well. Let me re- let me get this story real quick. Marjorie Taylor Greene is sick and tired of people like Jane Fonda because Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, is subject to death threats all the time from the fruitcakes on the left when people like Jane Fonda make these kinds of comments. Fonda said that she thinks of murdering the other side. She wants yeah. she wants us to be assassinated, and Marjorie Taylor Greene isn't having it, and isn't having it at all. Uh, so she says the FBI and the Justice Department have targeted pro life protesters for praying outside of abortion clinics. They better step up and hold Jane Fonda and the View accountable for calling for the murder of pro life politicians like me. I'll not be fu- voting to fund the FBI or Department of, Department of Justice unless the two-tier justice system is stopped. Carpe diem, Marjorie Taylor Greene. All right, Cleo, it's your turn. She, she's great. No, no holds barred. More politicians ought to be like her. I she couldn't agree more. Back. I love her. She's terrific. And, 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 and Jane Fonda, that reminds me of uh, something I want to talk about, uh, Hollywood, you know. Uh, how about the Academy Awards? They, they make a film about a 600-pound white guy. And that's supposed to be popular, huh? Uh, which which film is that? Because I I don't even I don't know the, I don't know the name of Brendan Fraser got an Academy Award. Oh, he got a, yeah he did get an Academy Award. I I didn't see it obviously. I didn't yeah, that that well that's entertainment for them. Make fun of the white man. Yeah, that that's exactly part of my point. Plus, Hollywood's so out of touch. Who gives a flying fig about a a fat man six hundred pounds? It won't it won't make any box office magic, that's for sure. But of course they have to honor him and claim that he's some spectacular actor because he played uh a white man that we can ridicule so well. Yeah. Yeah, my friend Ronnie, you know, he Ronnie calls in your show sometimes. He's talking about all these damn commercials that make the white the old white man look like a fool. And I'm sick of it. It is it is incredible, and you shouldn't be making any race of people look foolish in any of these commercials with any consistency. You know, you can have fun with it with a commercial, but not just because someone's a certain race. And to be honest with you, I didn't even know the white man existed anymore. When you look at TV commercials or TV shows, <laughs> I thought the white the, the white species have been wiped out. It's it's hard to find them. <laughs> it really is hard to find them, and if you do find them, they're gay or they're in a in a interracial marriage. Or they're dumb fathers. Or they're dumb, dumb yeah. fathers. 
Hey, listen, I was listening to KMOX the other day by accident. I was turning the channels. That had to and, be an accident. <laughs> and one of the reporters was was interviewing Tashara Jones, you know, the reparation queen. Yeah. Anyway, she was talking about, <laughs> this went on for quite a while. Her, her original house on West Lawson Summit in, in Warner Park. And she was raving about what a great house it was. It was a big, big white column, big white house. Big yard. She loved to walk around the neighborhood. You know, you know, fine. You know. <laughs> and then he goes, he goes, it's a show. We happen to have a Betty so and so here that lives in your former home. <laughs> okay, and let, let's bring Betty on. <laughs> and Betty says, Well, it is a nice house, but I got to tell you, I'm ready to move out. The crime here is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it was Good old there. Betty. <laughs> they did not expect that. <laughs> I will guarantee that was not expected. And uh, I'm surprised they didn't hit their dump switch. Usually have a seven-second dump switch. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Warner Park, I, I got to tell you, you know, it's, it was terrible a long time ago, and it's really bad now. But, uh, anyway, yeah, it really I is. And, of course, was... uh, you know, leave it to someone who's going to put the real truth on the story. They don't want to hear the truth. That's why everybody got nervous when that happened. Yeah, I guess I guess you're going to call Betty. Betty's black flight now, you know. Yeah, she'll be when, black flights. <laughs> when white people moved out of Warner Park years ago, it was white flight. Right. But now it's, now it's black flight. And I just call it simply uh, intelligence. It, it has That's nothing right. to do with white or black. You flee from crime-riddled areas unless you're an imbecile. Yeah, people of all ages, no matter what colors, you know, think of their own safety. If they, don't they're, they're, if they don't, they're stupid. And so, again, you know, I'll say it, the people like that deserve what they get. If you're going to stay in a spot like that, unless financially you just can't get out. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, you should have heard that. Hey, I want to make a statement. I think I should be Secretary of, of State with this. I want to talk about the, the, the drone being shot down, okay? I All know right. the, I know uh, Biden's position, you know, they're saying – Okay, Russia said it was an accident, right? Yeah, and Biden's position is bend over. Right. You know, but you look at it, and they showed it the other day. They tried to jump before they shot it down. They, they dumped fuel oil on it, so it was not an accident, okay? Yeah, there was nothing accidental about it. Okay, if, if, here's, what, here's my point, and nobody said this, but this is what they should do. If they want to take the position that, it was an accident to say, okay, we should say, okay, Soviet Union, or not Soviet Union, Russia, okay, it was an accident. You owe us $1.6 billion. That's what it costs to build that drone. And we expect payment in 30 days. I, I couldn't and, agree more. If I wreck your car in an accident, my insurance company is going to pay you for it. You're not going to pay it. Right. So I think it was $32 million, actually, is what the jet was worth. So that you owe us $32 million, Ruskies. If it's an accident, if it's not an accident, if it's not an accident, we're going to blow your fleet right out of the sky. I honestly think that's what should be done if they got any balls at all, but he doesn't have any. No, he really doesn't. And you're right. That would be, that would be a strong message to send. You're not, you're not warmongering. You're not acting like you're the tough guy. You're just saying you said it was an accident. We're going to take your word for it. And so the bill is $32 million. Yeah, whatever it costs. I don't remember what it costs. It's a ridiculous amount of money for one of those things. But but, but I, I believe strongly that's what they should do. What do you think the odds of that happening are? Well, if that ever happened by now, it ain't going to happen. You'd be my Secretary of State. 
<laughs> thank, thank you. Well, you know, little, little old Cleo from from North St. Louis. Yeah, all the way. I'm college educated. So. <laughs> well, it's, we we don't even need a college educated guy to to be our secretary of state. We need somebody with common sense and a backbone. Those are my quali- uh, qualifications. Yeah, I, I, and, and this reparation thing's been driving me crazy. This is so absurd. It, it, the theater of the, of the absurd now, absurd now. Bring up the most ridiculous uh, points and, and and push them through. Try and push them through reparations for blacks. That's nothing but a separatist thing. It's ridiculous. And, and how about the numbers? In San Francisco, five million for every black person. Six hundred thousand dollars will be contributed from every white person. <laughs> Why don't you just make it a billion, a billion per black person? Give me each a billion dollars. It's a, it's a billionaire's game, and make the white guy pay fifty million apiece. Because nobody yeah. has that kind of money. It's never going to happen. Why they keep doing this is beyond me. Are they is that it? inept? Can they just not do anything else? Do they have to drum up stupidity that anybody would think that's going to happen? You'd have to be mentally deranged. Is, is anything goes now with the liberals? Just keep saying it over and over again whether it be reparations, whether it be climate change, whether it be let's get rid of refrigerators and stoves and all that. It's all ridiculous. And let, let me tell you about one thing about this. When, when white people hear this, you know, you know it's, it's absurd that all black people just uh, uh, want, are lazy and want to live off the government, okay? That's an absurd stereotype. I must admit it. But when too many people start espousing things like this, this is when white people start to say, well, maybe some of these black folks are lazy and just want handouts. I couldn't agree more. I said that the other day. The media has portrayed the black community in many ways, and none of them are positive. None of them. Because they're saying is that we had uh, a black man, um, Duerso was his last name, Xavier Duerso, on yesterday talking about those reparations. He's black. He's from San Francisco. He was once with Black Lives Matter. He has now seen the light. Candace Owens helped turn him around, he said. It's extremely articulate guy. And he said, what you're telling black people when you do this is that we're too incapable of succeeding on our own. We're always victims. We can't do it on our own. We need somebody's help. And he's right. right. And he said, he's give right. that money to veterans that are on the street homeless instead of the black people who can work on their own. Exactly right. You know, that's exactly right. Uh, Candace Owens is a tremendous spokesperson. She is. She, she, the, she could represent anybody. anything, I think, any day of the week. Anyway, it, it's the theater absurd here with the liberals. Bring out the most ridiculous thing, keep talking about it over and over again, and push for it. It's, that's all we hear, and it's driving me crazy, Kevin. It's, it's really... Uh, uh, depressing to listen to the news to see what this country has become. It, it's terrible. Yeah, it's very depressing, and those kinds of things aren't even worth listening to. I mean, I expose them for the absurdity that they are, and you said theater of the absurd. That's what they are, and you have to expose them. But yeah, it is you have, spooky you have stuff. to expose them like you're doing, like Marjorie Taylor Greene. You know, it's, it should be no holds barred. This is we we need to be outraged. Couldn't agree more. I mean, it's just simple stupidity. And anyone who who believes that it will ever happen, and I heard the one black woman stand up and say, if you fall back on the excuse, how are we going to pay for it? That's the wrong way to approach it. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) It's the wrong way to approach it, huh? Yeah, these these black politicians are something. Thanks for that Hank Thompson quote about 
wow, I'm falling off the end of the earth. <laughs> Isn't that a beauty? I, I mean, honestly, he should have been removed from office and put right in a straitjacket and transported to the nearest nut house because he's nuts. He must be having visions at night or seeing people, dead people. I mean, how do you even come up with that one? That's so <laughs> off the wall. <laughs> I mean, I'm guessing he's, he's insinuating that our military is loaded with a bunch of fat people. Because <laughs> if we have too many military on the island of Guam, it's going to tip over. He's as dumb as Kamala Harris. He, he is. I mean, that one's too close to call. But I would say he takes the lead on that. He he doesn't have the volume of stupid comments that she has. She certainly has the greatest hits. But his one hit is so outrageous that he <laughs> zooms up the ladder of stupidity. <laughs> okay. All right. Keep it up, man. All right, Cleo. All, all the shotgun blazing, Kevin. That's the only way. You got that right. Thanks for the call. Have a great weekend. You're welcome. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Cleo's right. It's the theater of the absurd, and it just doesn't get any better. Hank Johnson. You know what? Marjorie Taylor Greene somehow came from Georgia. There's a part of Georgia that is smart. The rest of it seems seems hopelessly stupid, though. And I mean real stupid. So who knows? Do you see where uh, Hollywood, the hypocrites, were at it again on the night of the Oscars? These are the same people who claim it's really awful to build a wall uh, to allow to not allow illegal aliens to come into our country. But they, on Hollywood Boulevard, the famous Hollywood Boulevard, became an eyesore that came to a standstill this last weekend because they erected fences, barriers, and walls in preparation to protect the celebrities, those effing hypocrites. They live behind gated compounds, and now they eliminate anybody else from really watching the Oscars with walls around Hollywood Boulevard. Steve is up. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Kevin. Happy Friday and carpe diem. Carpe diem and happy St. Patrick's Friday to you. Hey, um... Long, long time ago, I was a history teacher before I went into business. And, uh, you know, if you're going to be the, uh, the, uh, the leader here, the podcast leader, I, I think you need to be put to the test. I'm going to give you a little history test because I, you know, I'm, uh, distressed by the way that history is no longer studied. And in fact, they're actively trying to destroy our history. So I thought I'd go to, to you since I, I'm assuming you, you know, you studied history when you were younger and uh, you would know some basic facts. So are you ready for the test? I'll give it a go. All right. Um, There was, uh, I'm sure you studied ancient history. There was a a great empire. You know, today we hear often that the United States is the greatest country ever on the face of the earth. Well, there was this great, great empire that ruled most of the known world back in the ancient days and this empire, uh, as strong as it was, was destroyed for two basic reasons. There was, they were, became, uh, overrun by immorality. It was just rampant immorality. And then the final blow was they were overrun by a barbarian invasion. Can you name, uh, this empire that reminds us so much of the United States today? Alex, I'll take history for 400 and say the Roman Empire. Ding, 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 ding. That That is correct. 
Carpe you are correct. Diem. All right, now your next question. Uh, now we're going to go to American history, Kevin. And was there another time in our country when there were actual runs on banks? Banks were failing because people were trying to get their money out and the, the banks didn't have the money. And it led to something uh, that we seem to be heading toward today. It was called the Great Depression. Depression. Ding, ding, ding. You are correct, Kevin. <laughs> you passed the test. And, uh, you know, I, my point is that's why we shouldn't let people uh, destroy our history. We need to study it. Um, another thing I wanted to bring up, you were talking about climate change. The, the, that's the big lie, the great hoax of today. And they always are coming up with these uh crises these hoaxes that they manufacture and uh you know one of my favorites that uh making a comeback today uh you know started over in england in the 18th century and then a guy named uh what was his name paul ehrlich at stanford started it up uh in 1969 he said we would face uh mass starvation on the earth uh by 1980 and uh, we all know how that turned out. It's called The Population Bomb was his book. And overpopulation would put us into mass starvation. And look around today. Uh, what do we have? We've got a problem with obesity. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if you, if, if you look at the pictures of these uh, barbarian, uh, these, uh, these uh, aliens, illegal immigrants streaming over the border, I don't see a lot of skinny ones. No, that's I, very I, true. I see a lot of people that are overweight, so I, I don't know what they're running from. But um, the, uh, the this whole thing with uh, the the climate change now, you know, Spock said we're going to freeze, and now they're saying we're going to burn up. And uh, you know what? All they'd have to do is read one single passage out of the Bible, and they could figure out why. It's in Genesis eight twenty two. And I'll paraphrase for you. It basically said, God says, uh, this is after the flood and the climate got kind of messed up, you know. Uh, he said, from now until the, the end of the earth, the last day, that we would have uh, swings in the climate. It would change. There'd be seasons and there would be climate change. It'd be it'd heat up and it would cool down. And it, one little passage of the Bible, but they, they won't look at that. Uh, but, you know, the uh, the question I have for everyone out there who's pushing the climate change, you can fell these people with one little question, say, um, CO2 is so bad. How much CO2 is in our atmosphere? And the answer class is 0.03% of our atmosphere, Earth's atmosphere, 0.03% is CO2. And then the follow-up question, which, you know, you're the king of follow-up questions, is how much of that 0.03% is man-made CO2? And it's, it's you know, a tiny, teeny slice of that 0.03%. So it's, um, you know, the climate change is just, just as you characterize it. It's a flipping hoax, and uh, everybody's falling for it over and over again. And uh, I have one more historical 
uh, fact to add. Well, let, let me add a, add one to that previous question because you talked about the run on the banks, and of course, I want everyone to know that that all took place in Bedford Falls, New York. Yeah. Oh, it, speaking of runs on the banks, uh, when was uh, who was president when the last? You know, they people have said these two banks, SVB and Signature, and now there's Credit Suisse too, but SVP and Signature were the second and third largest bank failures in the last however 50 years you know what the uh the largest one was and when it occurred it was lehman brothers went bankrupt that was in 2008 that was uh when obama was elected now to be fair got to say well that that was caused somewhat by his predecessor the compassionate conservative yeah. which is code code George, for big spender. George, George Bush. Bush had a hand in that too. But uh, funny how these things repeat, but I don't recall any banks that uh, went under during the Trump presidency. I don't recall any banks. I don't recall any recessions. I don't recall high inflation. I don't recall job loss. I don't recall any of that. But he was and so I, bad. I don't recall any wars. The only yeah, uh, I fighting either. I recall was when uh, he said uh, – ISIS, you're out of here, and just destroyed them immediately. I do recall uh, Abraham Accords, uh, peace agreements between uh, historically uh, antagonistic Arab countries against Israel now agreeing to do business and open their doors to Israel. I remember that. Uh, great, Greatest peace achievements in the history of my lifetime. Well, wait do- a minute. you got to give Biden credit, too, because now there's – supposedly peace coming between Iran and Saudi Arabia, you know, dreaded enemies, but it's being brokered uh, by the Chinese who are gaining influence in the Middle East. And I'll believe that peace when I see it. But I also remember um, from the Trump administration standing up to China and not a peep out of them, standing up to Russia, not a peep out of them, trade uh, embargoes and tariffs on China, to strangle their economy, new trade agreements with uh, Canada and Mexico. I remember all that, but, uh, you know, I, I guess uh, maybe I dreamt Well, it. Biden maybe fixed that, too, by uh, working with the Chinese to bring us uh, COVID, the pandemic. But I, I've got one uh, one other historical fact that we got to bring up because uh, I, I liked everything that, that uh, Father McTeague said, except for one thing. And, uh, you know, if you listen closely – he should have included you uh, along with all of these other bad people and bad things. You know, he was talking about, you know, communism and wokeism, rejecting this and that. Um, when he said that uh, Luther attacked the church, he should have said Slayton. Slayton? Did we lose you? Oh, doggone it. We lost Steve. Call us back, Steve, because I want you to finish that thought. I don't know what happened there. I didn't touch anything, I promise everybody. I didn't touch a thing. You know, sometimes our cheek disconnects people when you got your cell phone held to your face. Steve's back. Hello, Steve. I don't know what happened there. Uh, I don't know. I probably dropped a call on my end. The uh, I was talking about the uh, this Father McTeague. He should have included you because you attacked what he calls the church. Now, what he calls the church is the Roman Catholic Church, and you've been famous even though you were raised a Catholic for pointing out errors when, uh, you know, have all of this uh, pedophilia with these priests messing around with little boys. Uh, But that doesn't make you a bad person. That makes you actually a good person, a whistleblower. 
And Martin Luther, uh, a lot of people may not know, but he was he was a Roman Catholic. He was an Augustinian monk, but he was very confused and distressed because the church was teaching that the only way to get to heaven was by doing good works yourself. And he did all kinds of things, and he tortured himself, and and it wasn't working. He didn't, you know, he just saw God as a harsh judge, and he thought there was no way he could get into heaven. And then guess what happened? A guy named Father Stalpitz said, well, maybe here, I'm going to give you a Bible. The Bible was not readily available to regular folks back then and not even to monks. But he started reading the Bible, and he's like, wait a minute. This isn't what the Bible says. The Bible says we're saved by grace. It's a free gift from God and that Jesus Christ has done it all. I don't have to do anything except believe. And uh, at that time, the uh, it's kind of like the pedophilia uh, scandal that you were talking about. At that time, the Roman Catholic Church, to make money, was actually selling what they called indulgences, which meant if you paid in enough money, they would give you a slip of paper that said, okay, you're going to get into heaven. And Luther said, no, 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 that's not how it works. So when he said that uh, Luther attacked the church, him meaning the Roman Catholic Church, no, he uh, he uh, actually saved the church. He actually reformed the church and uh, brought it back to the, uh, the truth. And so, for me pointing uh, out that the Catholic Church's woes are related to this pedophilia scheme and that they've never held them accountable, I, re- I get called a Catholic hater. People can't stand the fact that I would turn on the Catholic religion and the Catholic Church. <laughs> People are nuts. I mean, they're wha- liberals are whacked out. A lot of Catholics are whacked out. I got news for you, Catholic folks. When you, when you think that way, rather than recognize the problem and try to fix it, then you're the whack job, not me. Well, I've got a name for you. Uh, it sounds to Uh-oh. me, Kevin, like you are a uh, Bible-believing Christian who uh, loves Jesus Christ and is thankful that he died for you. And uh, we'll be celebrating that uh, in less than a month. We, we certainly will. And that, as you just described, my ticket to heaven's already punched because I believe. That's right. And uh, isn't that uh, the simple truth in the Bible? It sure is. What is that, uh, Mark uh, so 16, 16? He who believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He who it's believeth as, not shall be damned. It's as simple as can uh, be. There's a lot of other stuff in the Bible, but that kind of sums it up. That and uh, it up. I say on that ending note, not only Saint uh, happy St. Patrick's Day, but carpe diem to Kevin Slayton, a faithful, believing Christian. Carpe odium to you, Steve, another faithful Christian. <laughs> All right, man, thank you. All right. Oops, we just lost another caller. Call us back and we'll get you right on. Good stuff. Good stuff. And that is as simple as Christianity is, by the way. The Bible tells you that. It's that simple. The people who think, well, the more good I do, uh, you know, God's keeping score, so I'll get into heaven. No, you won't. You can't do enough good deeds to get into heaven. You're not a a good deed doer. (laughs) Kevin is up. Good morning, Kevin. How are you? Good morning, Kevin. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you, sir. Carpe diem. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you and carpe odium to you today. And uh, after Steve's call, um, he's got great history lessons all the time. I appreciate that he does that. Um, Look up St. Patrick's, uh, folks. Just um, St. Patrick. Google him. 
um, read the story because uh, it ties into what Steve just talked about with the fall of the Roman Empire. They were being attacked. They left Britain. The Druids came from Ireland. They um, they got Patrick, um, brought him back to Ireland. Go read the rest of the story from there as to where St. Patrick came from. It's a great story. Imagine being a member of a group called the Druids. Ugh. Well, yeah, they uh, the Druids are who captured him. They were running Ireland at the time. And to cut to the chase, St. Patrick's reform St. Patrick reformed a whole bunch of the Druids and brought the church to Ireland. Yeah, but I mean a Catholic, okay, that sounds okay. A Christian, that sounds okay. Even a Protestant, that sounds okay. Uh a a, a Jewish person, that sounds okay. But a Druid <laughs> Yeah. It sounds like something that came out of the wrong end of you, you know? It's grotesque. <laughs> Hey, uh, and Kevin, on that note, because uh, I don't want to run out of time, I have one thing I want to say, but I will want to share this with you. There is a, 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 a long version of St. Patrick's Prayer out there, but if you may, I, here's, the, here's the shortened version for St. Patrick's Day. May the strength of God pilot us. May the power of God preserve us. May the wisdom of God instruct us. May the hand of God protect us. May the way of God direct us. May the shield of God defend us. May the host of God guard us against the snares of the evil ones, against the temptations of the world. May Christ be with us. May Christ be before us. May Christ be in us. Christ be over all. May thy salvation, Lord, always be ours. This is the day, O Lord, and evermore. Amen. Carpe diem to you. St. Patrick's Day prayer for you, brother. Hey, on another note. Um, wasn't it uh, what, what was what's Obama's uh, wife's uh, was, what's her what's her name? Um, it's it's a he or he she I don't know what it is, but I've got an Irish limit for you if you can uh, bear with me. There was an oh, okay. old person of down whose face was adorned with a frown. When he opened the door for one minute or more, he alarmed all the people of down. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But what was the name of that person we were trying to think of a minute ago? Um, the Mike Obama. My, Mike Obama, that's what it is. You know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to actually plagiarize her words right now. I'm ashamed of our country. Well, why are you ashamed remember of the country? Because she is ashamed of the country. Remember when, when, when that comment came out of that person? And now I'm ashamed of my country. And, you know, that, that song by Trump and the J6 uh, um, people that are that are stuck in the gulag there, being coming off Apple's platform. I'm ashamed of my country. And I I called you many times in the past and said, hey, we have to outvote the cheating. That's over. We now, Republicans, independents, wake up. It's time to outcheat the cheaters, okay? Get back in office. And I would love to see somebody like Steve Ducey one day get that final press conference with Joe Biden and say, now it's time for you to get the heck out of my capital. Get out of here. There you go. I like it. Like they did the light foot. I, I heard that this morning and I'm like, oh my, you know, that William, reporter, by the way, I looked it up. William Carey. That reporter, by the way, I looked it up. He signed up to be a speaker because they only let like five speakers at their meetings or whatever. And they randomly picked him and I guess they didn't realize who they picked. And that's how he got to speak and tell Lightfoot to get the heck out of there. <laughs> yeah, it was fantastic. All right. Thanks, Kevin. Happy St. Patrick's Day Same to, to you. you. And, Happy uh, St. Patrick's um, Day to you. Take care. Have a good weekend. Hey, here's, here's one limerick that we'll leave you with since it mentions Dr. Jill. I am sorry to hear, smiling Jill, 
that your birthday is no longer a thrill. All your friends think you're great and should still celebrate. You're not old. You're just over the hill. Carpe odium to all the Irish. It is St. Patrick's Day. And we have to close out with a song that we debuted yesterday on the show. Because by popular demand, people wanted to hear it again. Trump won, and you know it. Love you, Mom. Love you, Dad. So long, everybody. Love you, Maureen, too, on this wonderful St. Patrick's Day.